0: Enjoy. Well, what's up, everybody? I want to welcome all of you that are hanging out here, joining us at our Greenfield campus, those of you that are joining us online, as well as those of you, my peeps at the Oak Creek Franklin campus. Guys, I love you all. You are rocking it, and uh, keep up the great work, and I can't wait to see you all next week again. Well, if we've never met before, my name is Forrest, and I am the pastor of our Oak Creek Franklin campus, and it's just awesome to be here, to get to hang out with you guys today, and I want to start off by asking asking you this question have ever any of you ever been in a public place maybe like the lobby here or maybe at a big amphitheater or something like that where you uh, see somebody waving at you in the distance so you start waving and then you realize that that person's not waving at you at all yeah I think we've all been in that spot right and now you've got a decision to make you could either just kind of put your hand down and drop your head and walk away in shame or you could just keep waving and then, like, hopefully say, yeah, there's there's Ed's back there. Yeah, I see him back there, you know, and just wave at them. But either way, what it is, it's a case of mistaken identity. You know, one of the biggest, or I should say, worst cases of mistaken identity that I've ever had in my life uh, happened here at church. And if you haven't ever met my wife, Tracy, she's a taller blonde, and she serves in the Ridge Kids area as a connector. And one of my favorite things to do on Sundays is when she isn't looking at me, I like to creep up behind her and then jump in front of her and give her a big kiss. And so there's this one Sunday, and I see her off in the distance, her back is towards me, and so I get all stealth mode, I'm talking ninja style, and I start creeping up on her, creeping up on her, and I jump, and I realize it's not my wife. It's not. It's one of the other connectors who's taller and blonde that serves, uh, and Ridge kids. And thank God I didn't kiss her, because I probably wouldn't be standing here right now with you or have my job at all. But it was a little awkward, and not just for me. I think for her probably more than me. Uh, but the reason we're talking about this idea of mistaken identity today is because we're wrapping up and landing the plane on a series that we've been in for the last couple weeks called On the Run. And so what we've been doing in this series is taking a look at the story and the book of Jonah, who's like the ultimate runner in the Bible. And we're taking a look at like everything that's happened in his life and how he keeps running from God. And so as we hit the final chapter of this book today, I want you to keep in mind this idea of mistaken identity. Because maybe what we've all been struggling with and wrestling with in our lives, and maybe what Jonah's been wrestling with in his life is just a simple case of mistaken identity. All right, so to start off today, what I want to do is I want to give us a recap of the three weeks leading up to here, so you guys are all caught up. All right, so in week one, we jumped right into the book, or the first book, or the first chapter of the book of Jonah. And what we see here is Jonah is this prophet in Israel. And then God comes to him, and he gives him this assignment. But instead of doing this assignment, Jonah actually runs away. He runs away from God, and he does that by getting on a boat and sailing away. And so what we learn in this first chapter is that one of the reasons that we run from God is that we don't fully trust Him. But the cool thing about God is that His grace is far greater than a rebellion. And His grace is so great that it's available for each and every one of us that runs. So then we see He's in chapter two. Get to chapter two, and here's Jonah. He's in the belly of the fish, and he's having a conversation with God. He's reaching out. He doesn't like his life. He's like, God, I need to change. We need change. And so God, he, he, he grants it for him. He, he answers his prayer. And so what we see is the pathway to change in our lives is actually prayer, and a prayer that leads to repentance and reconciliation. And then we get to chapter three, and here's Jonah, and God gives him a second chance. He gives them the assignment again. And the assignment is to go into the town of Nineveh and to tell all the people there in Nineveh, hey, you got 40 days, and then God is going to come in and destroy you all. You're done. He's going to wipe you all out. And so Jonah, he listens to God, and he goes and he does his uh, task. And so what we see here is when God gives us a second chance, we need to approach these second chances with gratitude, humility, uh, empathy, and purpose. And last week, we ended... The, the last week, chapter 3, with this verse here. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented, and he br- did not bring on them the destruction he had promised. What a great ending to the story. Right, God uses Jonah to make a difference. But the amazing thing is this is not the end of the story. There's a chapter 4 to the story of Jonah. Jonah. And so what I want you to do is I want, as we wrap up not only just this series or this story, but we wrap up this whole series, I want you to really pay attention to what we're talking about today because what we're talking about today is the key to everything that we've learned so far because when we get this right, what we're going to learn is we're going to learn how to look at people the way that God looks at people. All right, so let's jump right into chapter four. And here the author writes, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't that what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And wow, man, like, Jonah's out there at this moment. I mean, think about the gall of him, right? No matter how many times that God has given him a second chance, no matter how many times in the story so far that he's been forgiven, he's sitting there, he's still angry. And in his mind, he thinks, okay, there is a limit to how bad you can be. And God still give you his grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so what I want us to do today is to begin to look inside of ourselves. Think about what's happening in here Think about some of the people that have hurt us or hurt others. Man, maybe people that you've never forgiven. And what I want us to begin to start thinking about, okay, is what some of what Jonah going through going in my life as well? Now, I am going to say something that might irritate some of you. And it actually, the question that I'm talking about might fire some of you up. And I'm not saying this to trigger any of you or or to upset any of you, but what I want us to understand is we need a reference point in the story because then we can put ourselves into the story and we can understand more of what's going on in Jonah's life and maybe be a little bit more forgiving or less judgmental of what's going on. So here's my question. How would you feel about God forgiving a child molester who truly repents. What about a murderer or a rapist who turns to God for forgiveness? Now again, I'm not trying to trigger or upset anything here, but we need to really understand this is the world view of what Jonah is going through. The people that he's talking about here, they are horrible people and they've done brutal and horrible things. And I think we all love the idea, right, that God shows grace and mercy to the people that we love. But when it comes down to it, Secretly, deep down, I think we all want the people to get punished that we think deserves it. And that's where Jonah is. Where he's mad, he's angry, but here's God. He's not even put off by this. Instead of getting mad or angry, he just gives Jonah this one simple but profound question. And it's this. Is it right for you to be angry? Now Jonah doesn't answer. Doesn't respond. Instead, the author says this. Jonah had gone out and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Now I find this interesting. Right, Jonah's done with his job. He could go home. But instead, he sits there. Waits. Why? Well, I believe that. Jonah, he wants so desperately to see these people get punished that he's willing to sit there and wait to say, okay, God, I think you're going to change your mind within the 40 days and you are going to wipe these people out. But the amazing thing is that God doesn't change his mind. Instead, he actually changes his strategy with Jonah. Listen to this. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it would wither. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. See, God raises up this plant, gives it to Jonah, gives him some shade. And Jonah's sitting there like, oh, man, I love this plant. This plant is awesome. And then God, boom, takes the plant away. And Jonah's sitting there in misery. Now, I know that there's some of you here that are like struggling with with the ideas of uh, these uh, supernatural things that are happening in a story like this, like the fact that this plant just grows up overnight. And to be honest, I usually would be too, because I'm a skeptical, logical thinker. But I'm not with this. See, this makes perfect sense to me. Because if I could sit at home on my couch with my remote control and I could fast forward through any show or show on Netflix that I'm trying to binge watch, why can't God, the creator of everything here on earth, fast forward through the growth cycle of a plant? But here's what I do struggle with. Why didn't Jonah go home? I, I mean, his job is done. I get that he's angry but he's sitting there and keeping himself in misery. And and why? Well, it's because he so desperately wants these people to be punished, right? That he himself is keeping himself in misery. And this is where I want us to start thinking inside or looking inside of us again. And I want us to ask ourselves this question. Are you so invested in wanting God to deal with someone else that you're neglecting to move on with your own life? Think about that ex that has hurt you. What about that friend that betrayed you or that coworker or, or classmate that made your life miserable? You look at them and say, hey, they're living their best life, but I'm not. And you're asking God, dude, like why are you not dealing with that? And you're sitting there and you're stuck in your own anger, right? You're waiting for someone or God to deal with the people that hurt you. And here's Jonah, he's in this very similar spot. And God asks him this question. Is it right for you to be angry about this plant? Now listen to how Jonah responds. He says, it is. And he says, I am so angry, I wish I was dead. So not only is Jonah mad, but, but he feels justified in how mad he is, right? He is so angry. He's looking at God. He's thinking, Lord, these are evil people, right? There's murderers. There's thieves there. Uh, they torture their enemies. They practice sorcery, right? They, they uh, hurt men and women and children. Like, God, why are you not dealing with them? They just repent? And all of a sudden, they're part of our club, God? You know, I've been a pastor for some time now. And this is probably the number one issue that people have with God, that God doesn't do what we want him to all the time. See, we're convinced that we know that, okay, if God's a God of justice, then he's going to do that. Or if God's a God of mercy, then he's going to do that. And that makes perfect logical sense to us. But what happens is when God doesn't do the things that we think he should do, then we get angry, we get disillusioned, we get disappointed. And I know people that they get so angry at this. Where right? they say, God, you should be acting this way. Or God, you should, do, you should do this. And if you don't, God, I'm just done with this whole God thing. Right, I'm done with faith, I'm done with church. And they angrily walk, run away from God. And there's probably as many or, or maybe even more people that when God disappoints them, they actually stay in church. And they go through all the motions of religion, but quietly, secretly, They are angrily running away from God. And I'm sure there's some of you sitting in this room right now that feel the same exact way, and I get it, because we tend to convince ourselves that we are right, right? God, this is how it should be. This is how you should do. Why, God? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to do? Now, here's a question I want you to ask yourself. Is it possible that you're frustrated with God because you're trying to conform God to your character, instead of trusting him and allowing him to conform you to his. Or here's another way to put that. We get angry that God isn't more like us instead of us becoming more like God. And this is what God's seeing in Jonah, right? And then he invites Jonah to change his perspective. Here's what God says to him. He says, you've been concerned about this plant though you did not tend to it, you did not make it grow, it sprang up overnight and then it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who could not tell their right hand from their left hand and also many animals? See, God's like Jonah. Dude, that's a plant. You are angry and concerned about this plant. You know what I care about, Jonah? People. And there's 120,000 of them over there who I love, who I care for. But like Jonah, we're always thinking, okay, God, but you just don't understand how much they hurt me. You don't understand what they've done to me. But ultimately what that does is it says more about us than it says about God. And it, reve- it reveals to us this underlying belief, right, that deep down, like Jonah, we think that our sin isn't as bad as others. Right, you've got Jonah, right? He is definitely not a Boy Scout. You you can take a look at his life, right? He's run from God, he's yelled at God, he's told God no, and he's he's justifying in his own mind that his sin, right, should be shown mercy and be forgiven more than his enemy's sin was. And when you think about your own enemies, right, the people that have hurt you or others, that, that group of people that you got contempt for, do you sometimes feel like Jonah? that you are so much more deserving of God's love and grace than they are? Now listen, I am not a perfect man. Far from it. You know, every day I try to live my life like Jesus asked me to, but I just, I fail in so many different places. And this was one of the areas that I failed with over the course of my life. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is one of the reasons that I struggled with Christianity in the first place. See, I would have people from my past, right, that did horrible things that I knew that hurt other people. And then I'd see them later on in our life and they'd come up to me, hey, Forrest, dude, I found Jesus. And look, I'm being blessed in so many different ways and my life is so good. And I'd look at your life and be like, yeah, it is good and it looks great and here I am, I, I, I'm struggling with life. I'm struggling to make ends meet. I'm struggling to figure out, like, what's going on in my life. And I'm like, God, dude, like, why them? Right? They should be living out the misery that they put on other people. They are horrible people. But let me tell you how God has helped me with this. See, one of the things that he taught me, and it's one thing, and I'm not saying this to break, but he's given me the awareness of my own capacity for darkness. To do bad things. See, I know without a doubt that there is literally no thing that I wouldn't do if it was under the right circumstances. And To be honest with you, this is one of the gifts that I was given by spending time in jail for doing something stupid that I did. See, when you're in jail, you got plenty of time to think. Right, you sit there and you have conversations with yourself. You say, like, how did I get myself in this situation? Like, why am I here? And you start looking at your life and kind of take a moral inventory of your life. And then what you do is you stare down into the deepness of your soul. And what happens is your soul soul stares back at you. See, and this is where I was made aware of the capacity that we all have to do evil. See, I know how bad I can be. And I know because of that, I need God's love, grace, and mercy in my life. See, I need as much grace as my enemies do because I am an everyday, ordinary sinner. See, every day, You know, I go after those things that please me in life instead of trusting God. See, every day, I run from God when he asks me to do hard things. See, every day I say no to the joy that God wants in my life because I am so concerned with everything in this world that I am worried about. And sadly, every day I hurt the people that God loves with my selfishness and my own personal brokenness. And can any of us honestly say that we don't do the same thing? See, if you think that you only need to be better than murderers and rapists to get the grace and the mercy of God, then you have no idea the struggles that you have and the depth that we all have to do unimaginable things. And I'm not just talking about like those grandiose things. I'm talking about the little things that we do every single day to hurt each other. And what the Bible is saying here, it's teaching us that we all have the capacity for unimaginable evil. In Jeremiah, he writes, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And what Jeremiah is saying here is that we are all capable of way worse than we think we are. Like, under the right circumstances, there is nothing evil that we wouldn't do. But you're sitting there saying, okay, Forrest, come on, man. Like, I am not that bad. That's not me. Well, here's the reality here's what we do we overinflate ourselves, right? And then we look at our sin and we don't think our sin is that bad. And then we compare ourselves to other people and we chastise them and we over dramatize the things that they do to hurt others. But you're like, okay, Forrest, I don't do that. Come on, man, I don't. Well, maybe you do. And then what you simply are doing is you're justifying your own actions to yourselves. And that is the deceit that Jeremiah is talking about here, because the truth is, man, That if we are broke enough, if we are hungry enough, if we are scared enough, if we are desperate enough, there is literally no dark deed that we are incapable of doing. And until we understand our own capacity for evil, we will always struggle with loving our enemies, those people that have hurt us. And we'll continue to believe that we are so much more worthy of grace than others are. And that is in complete contradiction to the character of God. See, in the end, when we look at the story of Jonah and we look at our own stories, we're going to see that it was simply a case of mistaken identity, and not because of God, No, because of Jonah himself, because of ourselves, because Jonah underestimated his own capacity for evil. And as a result, he thought he was more deserving of grace than others were. This last story of, or this last uh, chapter of the story of Jonah is really not a story about Jonah. It's really there to help us understand the character of God. That we see God is both a God of mercy and justice. See, and because sin is so destructive, and even though God is a patient God, that He's going to deal with it and He's going to invoke His justice. But we also get to see that God is a God of mercy and that he will do whatever it takes to let anyone and everyone have the opportunity to turn to him before it's too late. I'm talking anyone, abusers, betrayers, sex traffickers, molesters, liars, cheaters, haters, racists, people who have called you out on social media, people who have embarrassed you in public, you know, that coworker that got you fired, that classmate that got you in trouble, runners like Jonah, in ordinary, everyday sinners like you and me. See, once we realize our own capacity to do evil, to do hurtful, harmful things, and we consider God's grace, mercy, and justice, then we come to these two simple, profo- profound truths, and it's this, that we are way worse than we thought we were, but we are so much more loved than we could have ever imagined. And when we accept these two truths, it becomes easier to have compassion on those who have hurt us. Now the story of Jonah, it ends with this cliffhanger. Like really don't know what Jonah did next. We really don't know what he said next. But we do know that he's sitting there left with these questions from God, and one of them is this. God says to Jonah, I care about people. All people, can you? And so I want you to imagine right now in this moment, to imagine God is asking you that question. Like, He's coming to you and He's saying, like, I know that that person hurt you, but I care about them. Can you? And He's coming to you and He's saying, Hey, I know that group of people. Like, you think they're going to destroy our country. You think they're going to uh, uh, tear apart this world. I have compassion for them. Can you? And more importantly, will you? See, as we wrap up this whole series, I don't want you to be sitting there right where you are right now. I don't want to leave you right now if God is working in your heart. So what I want to do is I want to give you the opportunity to put everything that we have learned into place. And, And here's how I'm going to do that. In a moment, I'm going to read a prayer. And it's a prayer that a friend of ours wrote. And it's this prayer that does a great job of just asking God to open our hearts to the idea of just being and showing compassion for others. And while I'm reading this prayer, what I want you to do is I want to think about those enemies that you have, right, those people that have hurt you or hurt others or that group of people that you've got contempt for. And I want you to think, okay, do any of these words go with my passion? You know, go with my heart. My heart. Is there anything that Forrest is saying right here that I can latch on to and use that to just sit there, have a conversation with God and ask him to help you show compassion to those people because when you do, trust me on this, it's going to release so much pressure and burden from your life. It's just going to open you up to a whole other world. So just try this. Try this with me. So I want you all to bow your heads and close your eyes and just use these words as yours. Lord, there are people in my life who have harmed me, hurt me, rejected and betrayed and abandoned me. And I know your desire for me is to love them. But God, that's really hard. Lord, I have so many ways to justify not loving these people, so many ways. But you ask for all of my heart, not just a piece or a part of it. And I can't give you a heart where I've made room for hate and prejudice, anger and envy, a heart that indulges my grudges and resentments. And truth be told, God, I know you love my enemies just as you love me. And you love me in spite of my sins, small and large. And you love me in spite of my indifference and my selfishness, my spiritual apathy. And you love me in spite of my hard heartedness. And you love me in spite of my failure. love you in return for those who have hurt me god let me see them in the palm of your hands where you hold me and teach me to forgive and to love them as you love and forgive me in the quiet of this moment lord help me to consider the people i don't love the people i ignore and avoid and reject because of how they've offended me or hurt me or made me afraid cleanse my heart of hate lord Sweep away what keeps me stuck in my sins and in my prayer today. Help me name the ones that I need to forgive and give me the grace to open my heart as you have opened yours to me. And I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.